Hi, I'm Dee Dee Bass Wilbon. And I'm Dina Bass Williams. And we are the Bass Sisters. So hello and good morning and thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to be with you guys today. What a wonderful, wonderful weekend it was. It was absolutely amazing weather. Um, I had a great weekend because I actually was able to ride my bike. I haven't ridden my bike in, oh goodness, it's I been know. a really long time. But I needed to ride it just because of my knees and um, <laughs> getting older. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, my knees a little bit of a break. But um, so, but one thing that one good thing that has come out of this COVID nineteen thing, if you can say something good has come out of this, is that in my neighborhood we've been here for ten years, and I've seen so many people out exercising, kids. Mm -hmm moms and dads, grandparents, everyone's just been out walking, running, whatever. And it's just been great for, to see people out. Yeah, I mean? no, I agree. If there's, and I think that good things can come out of it, right? So we have to look at the silver lining. And if people are more engaged in exercising, then that's a, that's a silver lining of COVID. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also people have been gardening and stuff because yeah, you know, over there with the green thumb planting and having all these beautiful roses come up. I'm like, geez, I haven't gone to Home Depot or Lowe's or any place yet to get any flowers. And so she's got some gorgeous roses over there, which is absolutely great because that just goes right in line with us celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And so she's all on point. So we can yep. all go to her house and get our roses, everybody. I did. I did plant some roses last year in honor of the 100th anniversary. And Didi, why don't you? We have a little time. Tell them about what how they can help us celebrate the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote. Not so, just planting yellow roses. They can do more. Exactly. You sure can. So we would love for all of you who are watching to please share this video, but also to let all of your family and friends know that they can celebrate with us the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment by doing two things. You can join us on a virtual a Zoom celebration that we're going to have. We're gonna, you can get that date by going to suffragesisters.com, sending us your email address, and we will send you an invitation to the Zoom celebration. Or you can video record yourself on your phone and email your video, Reading the 19th Amendment, to Dee at suffragesisters.com. We are excited. Your sisters aunts, uncles, even your husbands or your, yes, or your sons absolutely. can all join in because there were some really amazing men who were on the, the front lines and in that fight with women um, during the 19th or the, the 19th Amendment. So definitely everyone, we're looking to have at least 100 plus people on our Zoom celebration. You yes. don't want to miss it. Even if you do the video and send the video in, you can still join the Zoom celebration. So again, you can send us your video at DD. At, and that's D-E-E-D-E-E -E 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 at com, or you can go to com and send us your email address. Absolutely. All right. Do it. Yes. So um, uh, let's get to it. First of all, of course, this is a roundtable about communications, and um, I have noticed that we are moving away from full 24-7 coverage of, of the virus, which is good. You know, we still want to be well-informed, right. but we are now beginning to talk a little bit more about the election and returning to politics. Um, and just as we return to politics, our <laughs> big bit of counsel is mind yes. your words. Uh, remember, BPA strategy is always attack policy, not people. For example, don't call people Nazis. Unless, of course, they are 
Nazis. <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> I know it's kind of basic, but but this is a communication. It really is basic. Want to reinforce that. <laughs> Seinfeld actually got away with the, the term soup Nazi, but you are not going to get away with calling people Nazis no. or Gestapo or SS or comparing modern day politicians to Hitler. It just kills communication. It kills trust. And so as we um, continue this round table on communications, we want to make sure that we are um, advising you wisely. And I know that that sounds basic and simple, but, um, you know, and in America, we do find sometimes there are brute, some brute tactics in the way people are being, um, being treated. And there are really, really bad people who do really, really bad things. Mm -hmm. uh, but remember, the Nazis are responsible for killing 6 million Jews. So, you know, just remember, um, mind your words when you're making um, comparisons to um, images of Nazi or slavery or those kinds of things, because that's, um, uh, that kills communications. And we are all about expanding opportunities to engage with people who have differing views. And when you begin to attack people and not policies using words like Nazi, um, Hitler, that just kills communication. So that's our little bit of, a big bit of advice um, for the uh, morning. Dina, that is excellent. I mean, that is so important. And we just have to, and even if you're like, oh my God, goodness, just remember, attack policy, not people. I tell my kids all the time, you may not agree with what someone does or what, something that they say, um, and you can say, you know, I didn't like what they said, but don't say that you don't like that person or that person is stupid or crazy or, or whatever. You know what I, mean? Hitler. I mean, do we really understand who, what Nazis are? <laughs> it's not even, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not even funny. Like Nazis and Hitler. Yeah, yeah even, even the politicians that who are on the farthest extreme of the things that we believe in, like AOC and Bernie Sanders, like they're far, far from where we stand, but we value them as human beings who really want what's best for the country. We what? think that their answers are wrong, but, but we can't say that we can't call them out of their names or call or say horrible. We're not going to do about that. It kills communication. Exactly. Totally kills communication. So, so attack policy, not people. We just have to remember that. And if you get caught up, just remember the Bass Sisters' words, attack policy, not people. And for us, it was, it was really, really great to see some of the comments on our page um, that you guys shared with us um, from last week's episode, one conversation thread that really gave us a little bit of a chuckle. Um, women were hot and bothered um, by Adina. And I suspect mostly because Dina and I have the gall to be Black conservatives, like, really? Like, who are you people? Um, but honestly, I have no, no proof of that. So I will just speak directly to what did seem to trouble some of the women, right? Right. Um, one suggested that we were dog whistlers. Dog whistling? Is that what they said, Dina? Dog whistling. <laughs> I think it was dog whistling. And so I want to read her exact words, so just hold on for one second. She wrote, I think it falls into play with the Trump playbook of trying to scare older Black Americans that they will lose freedoms if the Democrats are elected. It is a thinly veiled dog whistle. 
the thread was it was a little confusing. Um, so I'm not sure if she was saying that we were dog whistling about our pro-life stance or about our support of free markets. Either way, I assure you that neither Dina nor I are dog whistling. It's not. Um, an example of dog whistling is when President Clinton went down to Stone Mountain, Georgia and stood with white men in suits uh, in front of a row of black prisoners. I don't know, I'm sure some of you probably remember seeing that. Yep. Um, we'll flash this picture here. The subtle yep. message of white people was don't worry, um, I'm one of you and I will not disrupt the balance of power. So yeah, that's dog whistling. That's you, dog whistling. You probably have tons of examples of Republicans who have dog whistled as well. And, right. Um, you have those examples. We'd love to see them because we know that other people do dog whistle. We don't. But Dee and I don't. We have no cut cards. We are not trying to trick old Black Americans or old Black people into voting for Trump. There is zero shame in our game at all. As I've said before, love us, hate us, hire us, fire us. These are, our, these are the political and cultural hills that we die on. We are pro-life. We are pro-free uh, pro markets. We are passionate about our championship for religious liberties. And we firmly believe in civil discourse. It makes freedom of expression all that more enjoyable. This is a platform to unpack ideas and determine the best way to communicate ideas. It's not a place where we are trying to ever intentionally deceive anyone. So to the women who got, who got their knickers in a knot, because we have only given definitions of capitalism and socialism without giving the definition of, definition of democratic socialism, hold your horses, it's coming. In the first week, we didn't even give the definition of socialism. We are unpacking this bit by bit, and we want you to stay here and stay tuned in for all of it. Um, I know I might sound like a broken record. Um, there's no system is purely socialist or capitalist, and truly the only place that we have found that is 100% socialist that works is Smurf Village. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what, um, it doesn't matter what you contribute or destroy in the community your material needs will be met. In Smurf Village, they will be met. Right, and so that's all fun for Saturday morning cartoons. But in real life, we have to ask and answer the question, who pays? Who pays? That is the million dollar question, yes. So in 2016 and again in 2020, Senator Sanders continued to fumble over answering the question, who is going to pay for all of the free stuff? Um, he loves pointing to the Danish model, uh, you know, as the perfect model. So check out this clip from the 2016 debate, which he also repeated in 2020. Um, but check out this clip from Senator Sanders, and we will follow it up with a clip from the Danish prime minister uh, talking about uh, their actual economic model. Okay, and so we're going to play the clip. I think we should look to countries like Denmark, like Sweden, and Norway, and learn from what they have accomplished for their working people. I know that uh, some people in, in the U.S. associate the Nordic model with some sort of socialism. Therefore, I would like to make one thing clear. 
Uh, Denmark is uh, far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. The Nordic model uh, is an expanded welfare state which provides a high level of security for its citizens. But it is also a successful market economy with much freedom to pursue your dreams and live your life as you wish. But what does it mean to have a welfare state, you could ask? Well, for instance, we have universal health coverage. You don't pay to see your doctor or, or, or go to the hospital. We have a high degree of social security. You are entitled to benefits if you lose your job, if you get sick, if you are disabled. We have one year of maternity leave. We have uh, subsidized early childhood education and care. And we ensure care for our elderly if they cannot manage on their own. We also have a strong and uh, free educational system Students in institutions for higher education and universities don't pay tuition. On the contrary, they receive educational grants for, for studying. So what is the catch, you could ask? And the most obvious one is, of course, the high taxes. The top income tax in Denmark is almost 60%. We have a 25% sales tax. And on cars, the excise duties is up to 180%. So in total, Danish taxes come to almost half of our national income compared to around 25% in the US. Quite a substantial difference, you could say. And we have to be honest about the problems related to the Nordic model. In a society with high taxes, we have to be very conscious about the incentives to work. In a society with a high level of social security, we have to pay special attention to the incentives among lower income groups to take a job. In a welfare state with a large public sector, we continuously have to make sure that we do not undermine the sense of personal responsibility and, and citizenship. And in a country, where salaries are high and the distribution of, of wealth is high, we are challenged by foreign labor willing to work for salaries that are low in a Danish context. And my answer to all these different challenges is reforms, reforms, reforms. We have no choice but to reform our society in order to preserve the welfare state and the public support for it. We have to reform the public sector. The answer cannot always be send more money. Part of the answer is higher efficiency. We continuously have to find better ways to do things. Okay, so that is the model that Senator Sanders uh, keeps pointing to. And the gentleman from Denmark says, ho, 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 wait a minute. Um, you know, so there are a couple of things uh, we want to point out. Okay, so first of all, Denmark is no more an example of classic socialism than the U.S. is an example of classic capitalism. Right. And in Bernie's defense, he does say that he wants to look to things that work in Denmark um, to pay for all of his free stuff. <laughs> Healthcare, you know, as we face the worst pandemic in modern history, the worst health crisis in modern history, 
access to healthcare will become an even more important issue than it has already been. And I think any reasonable person would say that it's smart to figure out how we will um, fund testing and treatments of the coronavirus for people who can't afford it. Bernie talks about other freebies, though, like free college and stuff that I think will have a harder, um, it'll be harder to make a sale uh, for things like, you know, free college. Uh, But again, let's go to the question of who's going to pay for it. Uh, The answer, of course, is you and me. Um, it's that like that's not that's a no-brainer I don't know why Bernie just Elizabeth Warren kind of called him on it but I don't know why he just doesn't admit that um, his plan doesn't work if he doesn't get a huge pound of flesh from you and me so let's go back to what the Prime Minister of Denmark just said Uh, um, the tax rate is high and he is talking about top earners paying 60% of their income taxes 60% um, he, he says that they have a 25% sales tax. And even the left, you know, make an argument, a, a pretty valid argument in my view, that a 25% sales tax, like a sales tax, which that's really just a tax on the poor. It's a harsher tax on the poor, right? Um, and I played that video a bunch of times before we aired it, and I couldn't quite understand it because of his accent. But he either said that their cars are ta- like the tax on cars is either 118 or 180%. <laughs> Can you imagine Americans agreeing to pay a 100, a 100 plus percent yeah. tax on a, buying a car? That's so insane. So we want, that's why we want to have these conversations. We recognize that, that pure capitalism is not the full answer. Right. But you look to a small, like a small country like Denmark and try, you know, a, a small, very homogenous country like Denmark and trying to place that sort of democratic socialist model on America. It's, it's, and that's insane. That's insane. And that, that's, that's crazy. I can't, I can't, I can't imagine my head is hurting even trying to imagine. So like, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, but last year, someone asked Michael Dell of Dell Computers about raising the, t- the, the marginal tax um, rate to 70%. And Dell replied, name a country where that has ever worked. And an economist from MIT that was also on the same panel, he pointed out that it actually had worked in the US. The high tax rate on the wealthy after World War II is often cited by the people who believe that rich people don't pay their fair share in taxes. So Dan and I are gonna take it offline and we're gonna show you a presentation that we did last year for a group in Georgia. Who pays? It's answering that question. And then we wanna hear from you. Send us your questions and your comments. What do you think? Who should pay? Who pays? When talking taxes, it's important to understand Republicans and Democrats deliberately choose stats to best fit the narrative they wish to promote. The left believes that the slow wage growth of the bottom 90% of taxpayers is proof that the wealthy are not paying their fair share. Since the Great Recession, the bottom 90% 
saw an annual wage growth of under 6%, but the wages of the top 0.1% grew by almost 30%. The right, on the other hand, points to the great tax burden that the wealthy carries. First, we need to define who are the wealthy. In 2018, the top 1% earned an average $718,000 a year. It surprised Team BPA to learn that to be included in the 10% earners, you only needed to pull in $118,000 a year. I bet you'd also be surprised to know that even when you consider all the loopholes and tax breaks, the top 1% of American taxpayers still pay an effective tax rate of 30%. On average, while the bottom 20% of the population pays an average of 3%. Who pays? Who should pay? It's not as simple as both sides claim. That was fun. Um, we think that gives you some options of where, where you stand on who should pay. Right. Um, so we are convinced that this is not settled but we, you probably know how we feel about who should pay. Everybody should have a little skin in the game. Exactly. So that's it for this week's Policy and Pound Cake. We appreciate you as always. Look forward to um, next week. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs>